0: One thing about me is I like to fidget and especially when my ticks were bad, I would constantly be fidgeting. One of the easiest things for me to fidget with was a sugar packet. It's easy to access when you're out. They're small enough that no one really knows what you're doing. And you know, if it breaks, there is a million to replace it and no one's gonna cry over some spilt sugar on the floor. So Ben would ever so slightly slide me a few sugar packets every now and then. And I was like, okay, well, I guess it's not that bad if you realize this is what I need to calm down.
1: Welcome to The Uptick, brought to you by the New Jersey Center for Tourette Syndrome and Associated Disorders, empowering children and adults through education, advocacy, and research by sharing the stories and experiences relevant to the TS community. Hello, and welcome to this episode of The Uptick. I am here today with two incredible people that I've had the privilege of knowing for many years, Nicole and Ben Stark. Nicole is a school psychologist, and Ben is a financial advisor and a certified financial planner. Now, you're both in a really unique position of both having Tourette and being married to someone with Tourette. Tell me, what is that like?
0: Well, it has its challenges, but it has its perks. It's someone who understands mostly what you're going through. But then it does get hard, especially on like the bad tick days where you're just feeding off of each other. But it's been really nice to have that. I want to say like camaraderie, but it's more than that. Someone who understands more of what's going on with you and understands when you say I need space for this, just to have that support. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I think for me, Mike, it's funny. I, I never pictured myself being in a forever relationship with someone else with Tourette's. And I don't really know. Why, I just, I guess I never thought that's sort of what would would work out. And I'm really glad that it did for me personally, because as Nicole said, it's great to have someone in your life, well, really the the closest person in your life who truly understands exactly what you're going through on a daily basis, Tourette's and really any neurological issue that someone may have, it changes, right? Throughout your lifetime, it can change on a daily basis. So someone who gets that, and can, and can be supportive of that, I think is, is great. How do you both support each
1: other when one of you or when both of you is going through a really challenging time?
2: For me with Nicole, Nicole likes the love and support, just being there for her and spending time with her, listening to her. I think life and Tourette's go hand in hand and meaning that like, the stressors of life is what can make Tourette's worse or if your ticks are worse, it can make life more stressful. I think it's just being able for me to help Nicole sort of work through those problems or just hearing about challenges she's had at work that day or challenges that we've had with our newborn that day. There's a lot of different factors that go into it. So being a good listener and just being there for your partner is really, I think, what helps. Yeah. And for
0: Ben, it's just reading his body language. Like today he came in and he was just like sitting on the couch and I'm like, you need space. And he's like, I need time. And it's just understanding that everyone has their own way of calming down. And sometimes it's just vegging out and sometimes it's talking. I imagine
1: it's a challenge when both of you have ticks that are flaring and you're feeding off each other, you're exacerbating each other's ticks. Can you talk to me about when that happens and how you, you respond to that?
2: It's funny, Mike, because I think, you know, this Nicole got into a car accident a couple of years ago now, and her tics have pretty much diminished to zero since that point. I think prior to that, there were the flare ups, right? Like most folks that have Tourette's know that if you're in the room with someone else with Tourette's, if you tick, it's likely the other person's going to take which uh, makes you tick and it becomes this domino effect back and forth. But we haven't really experienced that over the last couple of years just because the car accident, like I said, she still has it. But the symptoms and the ticks have just gone away. Fortunately, there is no domino effect for now.
0: Yeah, but I feel like when my ticks were more prevalent, Ben and I also got to a point where we weren't feeding off of each other as much because it wasn't as exciting, I want to say. Like when we do have friends with TS come over, Ben and our friends will flare up more. But Ben and I, like on a day to day basis, we would be okay for the most part unless I was having a very bad tick day or he was. I will say I do have him flare up from time to time now when I'm mimicking our newborn. Like if I make a sound, I won't do right. it now. It sets Ben off and he's like, Can you please stop? And I'm like, I'm not doing it on purpose.
1: It's interesting, too, also with like co-occurring conditions, just being the support for each other. I imagine it's super important that even if you both don't have ticks all the time, like there's still you understanding, like reading the other person's body language. Are they anxious? Are they like just feeling kind of down? OCD, things like that. You're, there's the whole spectrum that we have to support each other on. And I imagine that can play a role, too. Absolutely. At this point, you guys are probably able to read each other's body language pretty well, right? Like, you know each other's tics, or Nicole, you know all of Ben's tics. Can you guys tell pretty well, like if someone's, when their tics are getting worse and then like proactively respond to that?
2: Yeah, Nicole definitely knows. She probably won't necessarily mention it straight to my face, but, you know, she might say, hey, you haven't made a doctor's appointment in a while. You probably should. And I'll say, yeah, you're right. I know, I'm due because my tics are flaring up right? Or they're more common over longer stretches of times, especially towards the end of the day, like it's 8.15 at night that we're recording this. I work the whole week, work the full day. Normally when I'm more fatigued and, and tired from the long week, that's when my ticks get much more frequent. Nicole knows that and she knows that I, I like to decompress and do things in my own way and she just lets it happen.
0: I've also learned don't bring it up. So if he is having a lot of ticks. I shouldn't be like, hey, you're ticking a lot. Like, what's wrong? I kind of let it subside, ignore it, and then try to help him through whatever was setting him off, if he will share.
1: That's a really interesting point. I I find I relate to that a lot. And everyone with Tread is different. Of course, as you guys know, like some people might want that more of that engagement or hey, what's wrong or something. I get frustrated if someone, even if it is like a loved one asks me, hey, like, what's wrong? Like, why are your tics so bad? I'd rather just kind of be left alone in a way. And then I mean, if they can like take something off my plate or say so like, hey, do you need a minute or something? I do appreciate that. But like directly acknowledging the tics, I have also found can sometimes make it worse. It's awesome that you guys are finding those way. I mean, you've had years of finding those ways to to support each other. I think a lot of our listeners will be people who they have Tourette, but they're probably dating someone who doesn't. In most cases, sometimes tics can annoy other people and we should never apologize for our tics or feel the need, like this is our fault or feel guilty for it. But you guys might have an interesting perspective on that. like Being in a room with someone, when you're trying to focus, you're trying to do work and their vocal tics are going, is that ever an issue in in your relationship? And And how do you guys go about addressing that?
0: Ben's just loud in general. (laughs)
1: yeah Yeah. so used to it
0: you get used to it and then when you need quiet you find a separate room or you go for a walk i think for the most part i'm i'm pretty quiet so ben doesn't even know where i am half the time
2: that's true yeah I'll, i'll call for nicole in the house and she'll say yeah and i'll walk down the stairs and she's actually down the hall i'm pretty bad about that but i think for us again just because we both have it and you're right mike when you're in a relationship with someone else who doesn't share that condition with you there is going to be some inherent misunderstandings and I think that before Nicole right I think we both have probably found that with past relationships um, which definitely makes it nicer to have someone that does have it because they do fully understand what you're going through on a regular basis.
1: What advice do you have for people with TS
2: that are entering the dating world? I would say just be true to yourself you don't need to try to change yourself or think that you need to be a certain type of person just because you think that that particular person likes a person with brown eyes or a person with a loud personality, even though you might have blue eyes and you're shy. That's just an example, but being your true authentic self, you will find that person that appreciates you for who you are, and I think any good partner in life is going to look past the Tourette's. They're gonna love everything about you, including well, including your Tourette's, right? They're gonna love that too. So
0: yeah, I would say be open and honest about what you need, and then be patient because it does take people time. Just like anything, you need to understand that they're gonna make mistakes, especially if they have never been around someone with TS, or if they have their own things they're working through. You have to be patient and open for where they are, and meet them in the middle.
1: Did you both tend to disclose on a first date, or was it more case by case, filling out when it makes sense
2: to disclose? I pretty much disclosed right away. I people can also see my ticks from like a mile away.
1: <laughs> it, so. it can make a difference, yeah, how visible it yeah, is or noticeable. Yeah.
2: So for me, it's a little bit harder to hide it.
0: I think I would disclose, especially if I knew it was like a bad tick day because my ticks were loud and aggressive. Those are things that need to make sure someone knows, like, hey, I'm not hitting you because I hate you. I'm hitting you because I can't control it.
1: No, that makes a lot of sense. I also wanted to congratulate you both on your first child, Anthony. That's really exciting. Anthony was born around Valentine's Day. What's the experience of being a new parent like?
0: It's tiring. (laughs) It's crazy. (laughs) It's,
2: yeah. Uh, But it's, it's wonderful. I mean, he's awesome, but it changes your entire outlook on life in so many amazing ways. He's teething right now. So that is, if any parent that's listening to this, that has experienced their child going through teething, they know it's torture. That's a lot of fun. But besides that, it's been a great time.
0: Yeah. He definitely has Ben's personality. Everyone says he looks like me. So at least he got the good of both of us. But he is the hardest job I've ever had, but the most rewarding at the same time.
1: Are one of you able to be at home during the day then? Or how's the situation work with raising the child, working, all of that?
0: So I'm just coming off of maternity leave as of like next week officially. So we're lucky to live near Ben's family, who has been an amazing support for us. And it's just, we're doing a whole mixture of everything to make sure he's taken care of well.
2: Yeah. Nicole's job definitely requires her to be in five days a week. My line of work. Requires me to be in most days, but I do have flexibility here and there to work from home. I typically work from home one day a week so I can watch in those days. And as Nicole said, my parents live close by. And we live in an area where there are a lot of options for daycare. It's sort of going to be like a tribrid approach of myself, my family and daycare. Like they say, it takes a village to raise a child. So that's truly what it is.
1: It really does. And then, without prying too much, I'm I'm sure you've thought about this aspect of it, with like Tourette's being genetic and 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 the probability of of your kid having Tourette. I'm sure everybody asks you this. Have you both thought about that? And any kind of preparations you'd make to support your support Anthony if and when that time comes.
0: The thing that no no one really thinks about until you're pregnant and having a baby is you need a pediatrician. Ben and I did a meet and greet with our pediatrician, and one of the questions I had was. What is your relationship like with specialists? And do you have referrals and connections to get help, mainly for a neurologist? Because it's probably something that we will need down the road, no matter if it's ADHD, anxiety, Tourette, whatever it is. So that was something I was looking for in a pediatrician, someone who would report that knowing our histories.
1: Were they able to connect you with, like, you know, neuro pediatrician or? some resources so that when that time comes or if the time comes, you have that support? Or did you find that was like really difficult to to navigate?
0: No, they were very supportive of us. He wasn't born yet. So it was, well, let's wait and see. And we still are in the wait and see. We don't want to jump too soon, but down the road.
1: <laughs> it is awesome. You guys are being proactive. I mean, so many people are reactive. And I, I think that's one thing Anthony has the privilege of is, is parents that get it. And parents that if Anthony ever shows signs of any of this stuff, you both get it and will be doing everything you can to, to provide that support. I mean, we know that early intervention is so critical. I think Anthony is really in a great place for success. Just having you two as parents, thinking back to your own upbringing and and parents and and everything growing up with TS and and co-occurring conditions. What have you learned that you might do the same as your parents or differently than your parents did it when it comes to raising a, a kid with, with some of these challenges?
2: For my parents, I think they did an overall very good job. They eventually figured out what the issue was and got me the treatment I needed. I think we live in a day and age where it's much easier to find the resources that you need because of technology. Whereas the only way my parents found doctors for me was really just through word of mouth from family and friends and They needed to know that family and friend, like if they had someone else in their family that had Tourette's or something similar. So I think that was definitely a challenge that they went through. I think another thing as well is, again, they never experienced Tourette's. I mean, I was displaying symptoms from a very young age, probably one or two, and I wasn't diagnosed until I was almost 10. They knew there was something, they just didn't know what. And I think that's something that I think if we started to see signs of, and it could be anything, right? Like Anthony could end up with something totally unrelated to Tourette's, right? I think most folks have some sort of medical condition these days. I think just being really aware of the signs and making sure that you're just again going to the doctors, going to the pediatricians, bringing up questions, and and sometimes doctors make mistakes too, right? So if you're not getting the answers or the resources that you feel like you need from your doctor, then definitely be ready and quick to jump to another doctor or get another opinion.
0: Yeah, and I was diagnosed so late that it was a lot different. I was diagnosed at 14. My parents, they really were kind of like blindsided because it just popped out of nowhere. But one thing that I think Ben's parents did very well was they went a more holistic approach eventually. And I think, you know, knowing that, In that background, Ben and I are more open to holistic approaches before jumping right into like heavy duty medicine, but we're also not those people who will never give medicine if it's needed versus like, let's just start there. So I think that's one approach that I would like to pull from Ben's upbringing and his diagnosis is going that more holistic approach first.
1: makes a lot of sense. What advice do each of you have for adults and especially young adults with TS and, and co-occurring
2: conditions? Just in general or on a specific? You can
1: pick whatever you want. Yeah, I know there's always a lot. To... I like to, to ask everyone I speak with that question. And I'm, I'm curious to hear
2: what you have to say on that. You know, I could give advice on a thousand and one things, right? <laughs> Definitely have a few dad jokes in your back pocket <laughs> because they are funny. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. I'll do it, I guess, from like just an overall life perspective is, just know who you are, know your strengths and weaknesses, and understand that you will always have strengths and weaknesses, and do your best to continue to work on your strengths, continue to work on your weaknesses, or if it's so weak, just say, forget it, I'll just focus on my strengths, right? You could do that too. Just be the best version of, of yourself, and be kind and caring to other people, because I found that over the years, I'm 30 now, so I I found that People that I was nice to, let's say, 10 years ago that I maybe haven't seen in a long time, haven't spoken to in a long time, that I'll reconnect with them later down the road and and they remember that. And it's always nice to have those open lines of communication with folks because you just never know what can come from that.
0: And I'll take it more from like a dating perspective. Try to find the yin to your yang, someone who you can bounce off of and balance. Ben is the outspoken one, the social one. I am the introvert, but on the flip side, I can keep things organized in the house while he's out socializing. So you got to find that balance with your partner, especially like today. Ben's like, oh, we have something going on. I'm like, okay, I'm just along for the ride. I'll do whatever you tell me we have.
2: Yeah. I said, "Hey, hey, Nicole, Mike texted me and asked if we could hop on a podcast. So I told him, yeah, and it's tomorrow and it's at eight. So we're doing it. She was like, okay (laughs)
1: you guys were wonderful with like very short notice i appreciate that one thing we haven't talked about is like bullying i think a big theme here is understanding yourself and also loving who you are yourself having that strong sense of like this is who i am and tourette is not a doesn't diminish who i am as a person at all tourette's is an asset and makes me part of who i am uh, makes me better I wonder if you, if either of you want to comment on any experiences you've had with, you know, times where like self-esteem was low or there was bullying, like maybe in some of those earlier years and kind of how you, advice you'd give to other people that might be facing that. Because that is something a lot of people in our community do face, especially when they're younger.
2: Yeah, I, I think for me, definitely when my tics were really, really bad, like when I was in middle school, I had a really hard time making friends. I was taking a ton of medication, so I was so like doped up that. I just had no clue what was going on. Like I, I barely remember those years, but I definitely remember getting bullied. Like those are one of the few things, and it sucks, right? Like nobody, nobody wants that. When you're younger, I think it's more challenging. So it's, I think it's really important for folks that are older, like like us, that have gone through it, to just make sure that younger folks who are are now starting to go through middle school, high school, whatever it is, making sure that they have the resources and support that they need. If we see bullying, making sure that we're addressing it right away and not just brushing it off. is like, oh, it's just children playing or they're just kids joking around because kids can be mean, right? We all know that. When I was in those years myself, the best resource that I had at that time were I had a few friends, but they were like the closest relationships that I had. So there's always going to be friends that will know and support you no, no matter what. And they're going to be the ones that are going to laugh at you when you have that really funny, long, exaggerated tick. And they're not, they're they're doing it because they love you, right? They're laughing with you, not, not, not at you. Like I said, I don't think I really experience it anymore as an adult. If someone is trying to bully me now, it's not because of my Tourette's, it's because they have some other problem and I just feel sorry for them. So it's no longer an issue.
0: And I think my approach is something similar to what Ben just said. I always took it as if they're laughing with me because I always thought my tics were funny. So I never took it as they were laughing at me, kind of just joined in the party with them like, oh, yeah, that is really funny that I yell, blah, 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 or I do X, Y, Z. So I think owning it and just being yourself and accepting yourself is a huge part in overcoming some of that bullying and being able to stand up for yourself.
1: That's awesome. I think someone in the NJCTS community may love to hear the story about how you two met. Would one or both of you like to talk about that?
2: Yeah, I mean, it it was really all my fault. So (laughs) I guess guess I'll I'll tell this one. People who know NJCTS know that NJCTS hosts and plans every year the um, Tim Howard Leadership Academy, which is an academy for young adults to go in a safe place at Rutgers University for, I believe it's four or five days. learn about themselves, about transitioning from high school into college and into the real world while having Tourette's. I was volunteering as one of the coach mentor leaders, and Nicole was an intern with NJCTS at the time. And I remember she couldn't make it the first night for one reason or another. They were all saying, Nicole's going to be here tomorrow, whatever. And I was like, okay, I sort of dismissed it, no big deal. And uh, she shows up the next day, and it was like, ah, All right, this girl's pretty good looking. So uh, she 100% caught me uh, staring at her for sure and knew and was like, yeah, who who is this guy, right? So she had to go hang up flyers, I think, to announce like dinner time or the schedules. And someone was like, oh, who wants to go with Nicole? And my hand was like through the roof. And I was like, oh, I'll, I'll go. I'll keep her company. We walked around the halls and I found out she went to Iona. I was going to Pace University two universities very close to each other, chatted a little bit. She wasn't too impressed. I was trying to flirt. She was not impressed, though, I'll say. But, you know, all the coaches and interns exchanged numbers. I may or may not have taken her number off of the sheet, but that that will leave a mystery. And we were chatting after that. She warmed up to me eventually, right? We were talking and I sort of strong-armed her to hang out with me and spend some time with me. And after that, I think she she came around and realized that I'm harmless, right? So
1: Friendly teddy bear.
2: Yeah,
0: Delta didn't hurt him that his parents had just gotten a puppy. So he was like, oh, you want to come on over and see the puppy? And I was like, I'm a sucker for dogs. So sure, I'll come. Are we all?
1: Yeah. Just what you can. No, it's great. And then Nicole, what was the story like from your perspective?
0: We did meet at the Academy and Ben was very persistent. He did try a pickup line here and there when we were hanging up those flyers and I just was not impressed. But one thing about me is I like to fidget. And especially when my ticks were bad, I would constantly be fidgeting. And one of the easiest things for me to fidget with was a sugar packet. It's easy to access when you're out. They're small enough that no one really knows what you're doing. And, you know, if it breaks, there is a million to replace it. And no one's going to cry over some spilt sugar on the floor. So Ben would ever so slightly slide me a few sugar packets every now and then and I was like okay well I guess he's not that bad if he realized this is what I need to calm down and then once we left the academy he like he said he strong-armed me he would text me hey what are you doing today oh I'm working okay how about tomorrow oh I'm working okay how about the next day I'm off great we're hanging out and I'm like you didn't even give me a chance to say like no He very well strong arms me into this, but I mean, we, we've been together. I don't even want to count. We've been through three academies, I think together. And now we have our son.
1: That's amazing.
2: Eight years, right? I don't want to know. Yeah.
1: Have either of you ever picked up a tick from the other?
2: I don't think that's actually ever happened. Really? No,
1: no tick contagion between you two.
0: It might've happened like once. Like I picked up one of his, but it wasn't very common. Yeah, I
2: can't remember.
1: You also both have pretty different tics, I feel like, and different just experiences with TS in general. Like you said, yin and yang, you both balance each other there too. If you could go back and tell your 18-year-old selves any piece of advice, what would it be? Don't be an idiot.
2: Just <laughs> I know, I was quick on that one.
0: <laughs> just find who you are and stick with it.
2: I think I'm going to commit to mine there, Mike. Okay.
1: Uh, hey, it was good, too. It was good, too. I wasn't sure as, if Nicole would have eight, something to as say as to it. But 18-year-old, oof, man. A lot of 18-year-olds need to hear that, I think. Yeah.
0: With social media and everything today.
2: Yeah, like think first and then act. That definitely does not happen when you're 18. You act first and think 10 years later. No, but in all seriousness, Mike, I would tell myself, look, you're going to make mistakes. And when you do make those mistakes, learn from them. Don't do it again and come out as a better and stronger person.
1: Great. Well, thank both of you so much for being here and I really appreciate all your thoughts on this topic and hope you have a wonderful evening. Thanks, Mike.
2: Great to see you as always. Thank you so much for having us. This was fun.
1: Thank you for listening to The Uptick, brought to you by the New Jersey Center for Tourette Syndrome and Associated Disorders, empowering you to stretch the boundaries to live your best life. The NJ Center for Tourette Syndrome and Associated Disorders, NJCTS, its directors and employees assume no responsibility for the accuracy, completeness, objectivity, or usefulness of the information presented on this podcast. We do not endorse any recommendation or opinion made by any guest, nor do we advocate any treatment.